0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Views on View. I am Steve Edwards, the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mime, but I'm still your host. And with me on my panel today is the always exciting Luke Diebold. Say hi, Luke.
1: Hello, everybody from Australia.
0: Yes, we are truly a multinational podcast now. We also have another host who isn't here today, who's also from Africa. So we are spanning the globe to bring you the best in view, JS Development. And today with us as our very special guest, we have Joe Zimmerman. Hi, Joe.
2: How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So Joe is here to talk to
0: us about the future of stores in Vuex. And that doesn't mean your local grocery store, or any other type of store like that. It means state management, currently what we use Vuex for. So we're gonna talk about some alternatives there. So to start out, Joe, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on yourself, why you're famous, what you do, where you do it, how you do it, et cetera.
3: Okay, well, I've been doing web development since I was 12 years old, Found an HTML book on my dad's shelf and just picked it up and started doing it. I have a twin brother who picked up a Visual Basic book, so he started programming first if you don't consider html and css programming languages boy there's a whole can of worms right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) he was doing behavioral programming before me i was just building pages
0: what is behavioral programming is that programming to make you behave like school or what
3: functional functional whatever making (laughs) things happen rather than just things showing up
0: oh (laughs) good stuff all righty so you've been doing Um, web since you were 12 anyway go ahead sorry
3: Yeah, so you said, why am I famous? I don't believe that I am. Well, you will be after uh, this. (laughs) I've In about 2012, I started writing for my own blog, joezimjs.com. And I was writing about twice a week for about two years or something. And then I just kind of burnt out on it and stopped. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll write an article for Smashing Magazine. And that's how you guys found me. Smashing Magazine, yes.
0: So article, <laughs> what is coming to VueX? So, okay, so we're going to talk about state management. So to start out, as I always like to do, let's lay the groundwork. What is state in a JavaScript application, and
3: how does VueX fit into that? Going for the nice abstract questions. Okay. Yes. <laughs> state is kind of like status. It's It's the data and information about what you're seeing on your screen and controlling how the application works.
0: Yeah, I always think to like to think of it and this may or may not be the best description is just sort of a, an extra bucket out there between your application and say your backend stored in the browser where you can hold all kinds of stuff that you may need or not need in various components and so on, I don't know if that's an accurate description but it helps me think about it that way. I mean, just real quick, fast ways, just to say data,
3: I guess, if you don't want to bother what kind of state.
0: Right. And so differing frameworks will have different tools for state management. React has Redux is probably the most popular one, uh, at least maybe more well-known. And Vue uses what's called Vuex. And state is, I guess, one of the things that for, for those who might be new to Vue is, is sort of the I see it as sort of the third step for managing data as being passed between components. So your first option generally when you're dealing with maybe a parent child is props where you can pass data from one component to another component that might need it and then you can use events to pass if you need to go up the chain. But that runs into limitations when you start getting multiple components, maybe multiple levels down or components, sibling components. Uh, you know you run into issues so then you can resort to the event bus or as the who would call it the magic bus and pass data, use that sort of as an intermediary to pass data between components but then you start running into limitations so now we get into state management where sort of this external bucket off to the side that you can use to put data in and get data out and uh, do the hokey pokey and, and so on so and then within, Your state, you have uh, VueX as it currently is. You have your getters, your actions, and your mutations, where mutations is where state data is actually changed. You don't change it in an action or a getter. Getters is just to retrieve it and pass it off to your component, however you access it. And then your actions allow you to asynchronously uh, get data and pass it to your mutations. So hopefully that... uh, as clear as mud for everybody who wants to understand Vuex. So, up to this point, you know, with Vuex 2 and then uh, has been pretty much the dominant one for Vue 2, obviously. And now with Vue 3 coming out, uh, we're starting to see more options. So, you want to talk about the new developments in Vuex, Joe?
3: Yeah, sure. So, originally, uh, all the way up through Vuex version 4, the way Vuex is built is What a lot of people call it slightly kind of verbose. So you 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 specify what is the state, what are the getters, what are the mutation functions, and what are action functions, which are anything that you do related to the data, but that doesn't actually mutate the data. And it makes a lot of sense to have those different separated pieces, and and it worked really well. uh, But like calling them has been always one of my Least favorite things. It's like you you can't just reference one of the action functions directly. You have to do a dispatch of an action, in which case you're passing in the name of the, the action as a string, which means you don't have type safety, you don't have IEDE support. Well, I will. So, the- so, real
0: quick, I, I don't understand. Are you. Okay, in my experience using in a couple large applications, if I use map actions in a component, then I'm basically calling it as a method on my component object. Is sure. is that different than what you're talking about, or?
3: Well, I'm I'm talking about if you're you're working with it directly, um, mm-hmm. rather than using the mapper help map helpers. Mm-hmm. So, which sometimes you need to if you're creating a more complex function. I don't know. Also. So right now, what they're what they're trying to do is make VueX one work better with TypeScript. So and so that you, you have you know exactly what the function is going to take as arguments, you know exactly what it's going to return, you know the names of it. You don't have to go looking through your code; it'll show up in the IDE and tell you what you what you need to know and tell you if you're getting it wrong. So that's one of the biggest benefits that they're working on for the update to in X 5 The other thing is just trying to simplify things. A lot of people were saying the mutations were a bit verbose, like having to explicitly state that you're doing a mutation rather than just editing the state within an action. Which I kind of agree with. It's they're 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 useful, especially with the dev tools for being able to see which Mutations happen and when, but they are also kind of unnecessary because we have the reactive data. We can just make changes to the data and it, it reacts to it. So we don't need to be like what or with Redux or something where you're actually saying, This is where we're actually changing the data. And so you know when and where it's changing. The reactivity system in view kind of makes it a moot point. So
0: quick question. Now, the difference between, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, is that the difference between mutations and actions in the current versions of, of UX is that mutations are synchronous and actions are asynchronous. So how is that?
3: How would that be addressed? Well, it's not. Actions are allowed to be asynchronous and mutations are not allowed to be synchronous. Actions do okay. not necessarily need to be synchronous. True. So, actions are just the methods that you actually call from outside the store mm-hmm. to actually, in generally, to bring multiple uh, steps into a change that you're making in the store rather than calling multiple or writing the, the functionality yourself and every component that uses it. Whereas a mutation is just there to make the change to the state.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that I was kind of I guess playing devil's advocate here that I was a little bit worried about um, sort of if we merge these two together is I think when I was first starting out by learning Vue, the separation of actions and mutations, even though it felt like a little bit convoluted, it also helped me to kind of break my code apart. So it kind of helped me to think, oh, this is where I'm doing my request to the server because that's the most common case I can think. I think that most people use actions at least to begin with is they'll make a request to the server. And as a result of that, you then do a mutation that you know mutates the store, changes some data in the store. Do you think that that could eventually cause like, do you think we, we might be losing something there that people won't kind of be nudged towards separating their code in that way or that it doesn't really matter so much?
3: I think... Probably ninety-five percent of the time it's not gonna matter that much. There might there's probably some cases where that separation and clarity could help. And I think one of the big places where it can help is inside the the View Dev tools where you have the the time travel and everything. It'll when you just call an action, you'll just see the action and then the state change, the full state change log. Whereas if you actually have mutations you can see every single mu- individual mutation that happens with a name to it so in that sense debugging and stuff is easier with mutations but i haven't run into any cases where that uh, be- would have been a big detriment to me to not have mutations so far
1: yeah i think that's fair yeah i, I just think it's interesting sort of sort of that they're, they're simplifying things a little bit and it's also kind of cool because it gives us a little bit more flexibility um, as developers. So if you do want to sort of implement your own concept of mutations or kind of enforce that on your team, you can, but they're not basically saying, Hey, everybody, you have to do it this way. It's kind of getting a little, it feels like it's getting a little bit lower level, which is nice.
3: Mm -hmm. And by removing mutations, stores look a lot more like components. You have data and state are Parallels. Then there's the getters and computed are par- parallel, and there's methods and actions. The although with uh, the new composition API, you're not using those as much in components, but you still you you understand the parallels and you you can see the connection between them.
1: Yeah, actually, I remember looking at the RFC for the first time and thinking, this actually this kind of looks like the options API with things named slightly differently. It's almost like yep. state is just your data and then actions are just your methods and getters are just your computer properties. It almost felt exactly like that, which was really nice. You know, it's it's just like moving that logic to, I guess, as Steve put it before, like another
3: bucket, which, which feels really nice. It's interesting because I've actually seen people use like renderless components as an alternative to Vuex, like it's just a component that does all the state management. You call functions on it, and but it, you're using the data, and you're using computed, and you're using methods instead of using state getters and actions. Hmm. That is yeah, really that I can see that. Just,
0: Seems an yeah. interesting way to I use mean, a component just for managing state when you could almost do that with yeah.
3: just like a, a helper, you know, library with methods in it. But uh, I mean, you just I own. wouldn't recommend it. It, it was it was mostly just a guy trying to say, hey, you don't need to install Vuex if you want to save a few bytes or whatever.
0: Right. Okay, so now your 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 article is talking about Vuex 5, but let's talk about a couple of different options before we get there. So, one, there's an article that I, I know I've seen in the past, it was written last year about... With Vue three, you might not need view X because you could do some things there. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Pinia or Pinia. I'm, I'm guessing that's how we'd say it. So, why don't okay. you elaborate on those uh, for a bit.
3: So yeah, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of articles about just using the composition API and creating uh, the separate composition functions for essentially creating your own stores. That way, and it's it's simple enough and it works really well. My biggest issue I always had with it was the lack of dev tool support, um, because I always loved Vuex's dev tools. So if you want that level of debugging power within the dev tools, then your Vuex has always been your only choice, and. It's interesting because after I wrote this article for Smashing Magazine, I went and tried to essentially recreate Vuex 5, a simple version, to make it work like that and figure out how to integrate it into the dev tools. But like, I don't see any of these libraries actually integrating into the dev tools. It can't be that it only works for Vuex. You have to be able to do it, uh, make it work yourself, right? Well, there's no documentation that I could find for it. So you're basically just reading through Vuex code and trying to figure out where it's hooking into the dev tools and how you can use it. So I was never actually able to figure it out. And then the, actually the day that you guys invited me to the podcast, I saw this article about Pina and Pina is a, an alternative, sort of an alternative to Vuex. It was actually written by one of the Vue.js core team developers as a way to test out a proposal for the next iteration of Vuex. So it's essentially, it's Vuex 5 today. From what I can see there, I can't personally see any differences from what I looked at, but it's it says in the description that it's a there's an open RFC for Vuex 5 with an API very similar to the one used by Pina, So it's, I'm assuming there are differences. Otherwise, they would probably just take Pina and say, hey, let's release this as VueX5 right now. But yeah, it, it, it does exactly what I described in the article about vx 5 Because it's written by a, a Vue core team member, it's got integration into to the dev tools. So personally, I'm going to be moving to Pina at least until vx 5 comes out.
0: So from what I was reading, one of the bigger uh, differences between Pina and current state management is that currently it just defines one big store and you can then modularize it if you want to, but you still have an overall parent store was with Pina, everything is modular and then you choose to join them
3: up later. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like when you when you use Vuex, you essentially do app.use VueX and suddenly now the store is available on every component under the dollar store property name. That's not how you use Pina or Vuex5. You actually import the individual store module that you want to use.
1: I actually, one of the reasons I really like this, it's it allows you to start grouping your logic in a much more sort of sensical way. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. It almost feels a little bit weird to try and group, for example, in larger applications where um you know things are organized more by domain. It's kind of hard to group your store, your store information with your components. So like with your domain, but doing it this yeah. way, it's, it's, it just makes so much sense,
3: you know, and I'm, as far as I like, haven't looked at, you mean like, as far as where are you are storing the files themselves?
1: Yeah. We well, are storing the files themselves, whether or not you want to include those modules. It's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this kind of thing is possible with UX, but it just feels a lot more natural. When you're doing it in this way, it's almost like a store just feels like its own kind of um, a store for a piece of data, for example, uh, to-do items or like, yeah, to-do to do items in a to-do list. It feels like you can easily put that in its own place and then have like the user sitting in its own place. And they're very, they feel a lot more um, pulled apart and separated. Whereas in, you know, the current Vuex, that doesn't feel so natural. Does that kind of make sense?
3: Right. I mean, the current Vuex has the idea of namespaced modules, but it's a lot more clunky to work with, especially like when you're trying to use uh, when you're trying to touch state or an action or something on it, you have to go through the namespacing and everything, which if I remember correctly is using a slash between them, like it it's yeah. not as natural. Like you I want to just Use dot notation, get down to the module, and then call methods directly on it. Well, now you can just import the one that you want and use it. And the other nice thing I think is if you end up no longer using a store module, even if you don't delete the file, it won't get uh, built into your into your your application build because nothing's importing it. Whereas if you're using Vuex, you import it all usually into one big store file. And if just because you stop using it doesn't mean it goes away, you actually have to go explicitly remove it from the store file and you could forget that.
0: Yeah, there's ways around that. I know that in my application, we'll dynamically register stores and unregister them as needed. So, for what it's worth, there, there are ways around that. It's a little more work, obviously, to sure. do something like that because you don't have like a fixed file that you can go look at. But, but yeah, there are ways around that issue with the current view as well.
1: Yeah, I guess the decoupling feels a lot more natural and a lot easier to do with these more modern, with uh, with Vue X5. At least, yeah, at least from what I've read in the RFC, which is, which is pretty cool and re- really exciting for larger applications.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv/premium.
0: Okay, so there's penis. So now we'll get to the meat of things. What's what's coming down the road in VueX five?
3: Well, same as what's available in pina <laughs> Wow, well, talk that's about letting been... the air out of my balloon there. That was uh... yeah. That's what's what the article was all about. Is just. Um... what we've been talking about the the simplification modularization using the built-in composition functions rather than the configuration style of ux removing mutations so so we've got ux5 you've
0: got pina and there's article that we mentioned about being able to use the composition api to do some state management although that is not going to scale quite as well as some of the other ones. So, one of the nice things about Vue, and I think it was a conscious decision that was made from the beginning to avoid having what is true in the React ecosystem, where you got a bazillion different ways to do something, and you know you just sort of figure what's the most popular, which you like best. And so they've made specifically with the router and with Vuex. These are these are what we use for the core Vue. So. How do you see, do you see any sort of, what's the term I'm looking for, fracturing of state to have multiple options? Or do you think maybe the pina was just sort of, let's throw it out there, see what happens and merge that with ux 5 and then it'll go away?
3: Or uh, how do you see that uh, happening? I don't remember. I don't believe anyone mentioned that they mentioned anything about trying to keep an older version. I think Or maybe they did. But um, I think once they move to Vuex 5, I think they're just going to be moving to the new API, assuming that's what they end up settling on. Because it's still an RFC. It's not settled. It's not even built unless you count Pina as being Vuex 5 already built. Mm -hmm. So we don't even know for sure that this is going to be happening. But I think a lot of people will be getting behind this and will prefer it for the most part. So I don't see them wanting to keep around the old style of UX.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the releases on Pini. It looks like last week they did a two version 2 beta 1 and a version 2 beta 2. So it's, it's at least had a couple solid releases, it seems like.
3: Yeah, well, I think... Version 2 is compatible with Vue 3 and version 1 is compatible with Vue 2. I think that's how it works. Oh, and the Pina versions? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Pina 2
0: is for Vue 3 and Pina 1 is for Vue 2. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Luke, any other questions? Yes, you do. All right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious. Do you think that we'll see situations where um, it will make sense to manage state with the composition API, perhaps for like medium-sized projects, and and the reason I ask this is because it it almost seems like there's there's a few different levels where you can handle state. You can you can handle it on a component level, which makes the most sense for a lot of scenarios where it's just you know uh, state that's very specific to that component. But then like I've also seen people using the composition API and things like provide and inject to then to then kind of it's kind of like another way of handling state management and then from there on you can then move on to something like uh X 5 or or pina so do you think that there's a place for using the composition api or would you recommend if somebody feels like they need global state they just move to something like pina or or vuex 5 when it's released
3: i mean pina if you if you look at the api for writing it it's it feels like you're just using the component API. So it's very, very similar already, um, just gives you some extra functionality. So the only reason I would say not to use it over the composition API is because you're really, really trying to keep file size down. So if you have a, a really small app, and you just like, I don't really need to install Pena for a little bit of extra state management there's just a few little pieces of global state to, that's being shared so it doesn't really matter then yeah go ahead and skip out on pina and and revel in your tiny file size <laughs> yeah totally i i think that's
1: i think that's totally fair and it, i think you run into a lot of problems with things like ssr as well if you're trying to sort of roll your own yeah. And I guess I guess another issue is if you roll your own, then anybody that comes onto your team, well, you know, unless you've got amazing an amazing documentation team, you know, behind you that can sort of follow in your shadow and write up beautiful documentation on everything you do, you don't have the learn resource that you have with something like Pinyas or something that already exists out there. There's yeah, that absolutely. As well.
0: Right on, so was there anything else uh, you wanted
3: to cover about to this that we missed, Joe? Well that's all I had written down on my notes as far as state management. Right on.
1: Uh, I'm always I'm also curious to know, are you using these concepts in any of your own projects now? Like have you started any new projects with Pina or implemented it into one and migrated over to
3: Pina? Uh, I'm going to. I have not yet. I'm perpetual procrastinator. <laughs> and I don't use yeah. you at work, so I don't have the opportunity as much opportunity to use stuff like this as I'd like. But yeah, I think was it 2013, I built a, a really small prototype version of an app, a, uh, an app using Socket JS that you can use to control Minecraft servers. Oh, and, my son would love that. And uh, I've been meaning to. Rewrite that as a nice big full application. Ever since, um, I was going to do it in Backbone for the longest time, and then I learned Marionette on top of Backbone. Like, oh, I'm going to do it this, and then I never. I get like five percent in, and then put it off, and then so I've actually got like four or five different versions of the app started and never actually anywhere near finished. But that's what I plan to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Join the crowd. The side projects are half sitting, half completed and sitting all over the place. No.
1: Isn't that an annoying feeling where like at, the, at work at the moment, we're currently on Vue 2. And we started using the Composition API and we're like, so, me and the guy I work with, we are so excited to move to Vue 3. And we're doing like these little experiments before work to make sure we're ready but all the code for now is still on Vue two, and we're just waiting for the stable release of Quasar before upgrading, which um, which is just around the corner. But oh, it's like you just—it's like you're on edge. There's this excitement; you can't wait to use these new technologies, and you can't wait to dive in and you know have all of this cool stuff available to you. But you kind of have to like just have to wait that little bit longer. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know and that feeling.
3: <laughs> yeah, and being a like. I pretty avidly am reading articles about new stuff all the time. And if I never actually get around to building anything, I'm in a perpetual state of wishing I could try out all these technologies. I probably have like 40 technologies on the back burner waiting for me to try them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't even get past the setup stage.
0: (laughs) Yes, the developers we need a
3: We need a shirt.
1: We need a shirt. Just build it or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like you said, just do it.
0: So, I saw this yeah. blog post hey, on you Medium. Guys, I saw this blog post on Medium years ago, and I've looked for it, and I haven't been able to find it. And it had this great graphic that shows it's sort of a cartoon. It shows developers like um, uh, sitting in front of this big, you know, area of land, and and it has it, it portrays each project as like a house. So you have all these half and three quarter built houses all over the place, you know, where nothing's completed. And, everything's just a percentage of the way there. And I'd love to find that cartoon because it was so good. By the way, yeah. if any views on view listeners uh, know where that, that cartoon or blog post is on Medium, feel free to, to message me at 195.
2: Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there. And so we're gonna go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
0: All right, so with that, we will move on to picks. So picks are where we get to talk about things that are something else other than Vue or it can be Vue, our choice. I, in my, I don't know what you'd call it, weirdness, have started a regular series of dad jokes that I like to share with my audience. And I've been hearing uh, through back channels that we get more people tuning in all the time just to hear my dad jokes at the end. So I will try not to disappoint. So, oh my gosh, I had them laid out here. Oh, yes. So I used to, uh, for years, I played the trumpet growing up. And that was pretty good until I had to learn to play with braces, which was a whole different story. But uh, I did it for four years through high school with full bands, so I still don't know how I did it. It was crazy. Um, let's just say the inside of my mouth mouth was something like mush. But the question is, what is the most peaceful musical instrument out there? But to be honest, I don't know, but violins isn't the answer.
3: Violins. Violins.
0: Yes, yes. And then- Luke look, 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 still oh, looks confused. I missed
1: that one. <laughs> Yeah, it
0: took
1: me <laughs> a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's beyond dad joke. I was like, <laughs> that's,
0: uh yeah. And then anyway, and most of my dad jokes have been sort of, you know, job related, such as my favorite. And it's true that I used to work at a bank right out of college and I got fired because an old lady came in and asked one day to check her balance, so I pushed her over. But this one is, I had an offer, I actually had an offer to invest in a company that makes crystal balls, but I could not see a future in it. So I decided to pass on that. So those are your dad jokes for the week. Thank you very much. Let's well, thank move- you very much for that. <laughs> let's uh thank move on to podcast isn't video. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually people are muted and you can't hear them laughing and it just sounds like went over like a lead balloon, but I can see people laughing and you can't hear them. So I always have to elucidate that. So thank you for for contributing your laughter to the podcast. Luke, let's move on to you.
1: Yeah, sure. I've I got two picks today. The first one is kind of a concept where like I don't usually get overwhelmed in the web development world. And I think that's because I started late. So always had like that excitement, didn't have enough time to sort of like, (laughs) sort of like wear me down. But recently, you know, I was talking to a whole bunch of guys in the Quasar team and they're all really smart people. And I just started getting this feeling of imposter syndrome because they're talking about concepts that I can barely understand. And they're talking about different ways of doing things and like what, you know, they're doing in their code bases and how they're organizing it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not doing any of this stuff. And at the same time at work, we're trying to implement like a nice testing flow. And I need to learn about mocks, you know, and when to use them versus like end-to-end testing and preparing for the podcast, you know, seeing all this stuff about state management. And I just started like getting really overwhelmed. And I think this is common with people in the web dev world where we get we just get, we get this feeling of overwhelm and we feel like we suck, especially when you're around really smart people, you just start to feel like you suck. And that's what I felt over the past two days. And my solution to this is basically going back to why I develop in the first place. So, you know, go, going back to the reason I write code and why it's really important to me.
0: Because um, you need money? I
1: start, <laughs> well, well, no, not really. I mean, I write, <laughs> I mean, I, I I I try, I try not to do it, you know, for money reasons. Some people really need to code for money to feed their family. I'm kind of fortunate that I really love my job and, you know, I I feel like we're making a real impact in the world and I work for an agriculture company and I feel like when I sit down to code every day, we really are helping farmers to, to do a better job in growing their crops and to help them get out of financial stress. Yeah, so anyway, going back to the why helps take it off you and helps you think of like the bigger picture. And it it helps you to push through those tough times when you really need to, where you really need to focus in when there's like a whole bunch of different technologies, you know, coming at you. So that's the first thing um, that, that I tend to do when I get this feeling of overwhelm to start with like, why am I doing this? And then from there I move on to figuring out the what. Like what specifically, what very specifically do I need to focus on? right now so that it's not like, oh, I need to do testing Oh, my code base is a mess and all state and this and that. And and if you can really drill down on what the what is, then you can kind of like break things apart and do them like one step at a time, kind of like the new Vuex, you know, break things apart more. Yeah. So I guess like that's the first thing I wanted to bring up, just the concept of if you're feeling really overwhelmed, connecting with why you code and why you love it again, and then figuring out getting super focused on your what can really help get through that. Um, and the other thing I have to mention is because Kia King has played such a big role in the future of Vuex. So I think Kia King is actually the guy that wrote the RFC or at least a lot of the RFC for Vuex 5. He's actually got a library called Vuex ORM. And I've been using that for about um, four or five years now. I think it is to, to manage state. And it's kind of like a layer on top of you, an ORM layer on top of you. So if you're familiar with Laravel, And the ORM, it's very similar to that. And it is absolutely beautiful. It's bliss to use. I never deal with Vuex directly anymore. It's almost always using Vuex ORM. So definitely go and check that out. It's a wonderful project. And it's written by the guy who's, yeah, kind of pioneering Vuex 5, or at least one of the pioneers for Vuex 5. So that would be my two picks. Thank you very
0: much, as Elvis would say. All right, Joe, being the guest and the best, you're the last. What... uh... What do you got for us?
3: How many picks can I do?
0: <laughs> I will say as many as you want, but within reason. Within reason? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> so whose reason are we going by? <laughs> That's a very good question. Very good question. I mean, reasonable people don't don't put themselves through the abuse of writing code. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> see, my first one is I've been doing a lot of research lately on just electric power tools. I've got junk, hand-me-down, gas-powered, string trimmer, lawnmower, and I've just been like, I want to get away from this. There's they're, They're too much of a pain to get started in the spring when they've been sitting around for a long time. So I've been looking a lot into Ego and Ryobi, and I'm just loving the idea of upgrading to electric for those things. My next pick was the chosen don't know if you heard of it there's oh yeah that's a great show from what i've heard too it's a crowd crowdfunded completely crowdfunded tv show about yep about jesus and his disciples and it if you're a christian it's freaking amazing it's very very deep storytelling it's not this normal stoic jesus and apostles it's it's a very very deep storytelling it's amazing they're finishing up season two and they're planning on seven seasons and yeah it's like i said it's all crowdfunded they've raised millions of dollars to make it and still going so
0: yeah i've heard it's got anymore. some humorous parts in it too so it's definitely not oh, yeah. quite, quite the uh the stoic storytelling as you were mentioning yeah jesus tells jokes chosen so where is now where is it on? i can't remember is it netflix or uh, uh
3: they have their own app um uh, so you can go to the the chosen.tv i think it is you can watch it for free there or you can download the app and then you can actually uh, they have a, a way of casting it to your tv using the app on your phone i'm seeing
0: angelstudioscom thechosen slash the chosen
3: yeah. Yeah,
0: t- TV will redirect to that. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll put we'll drop the links in the uh, in the show notes. So yeah, I've heard a lot of good things too. I got to I got to start watching. How many episodes are there in each season? Um,
3: there's 8 in the first season and then they've got five done in the second season. Okay. So far. And they're working on trying to accelerate it. So they want to do a season and a half every year now as opposed to one and a half to two years per season from what they've been doing. So if we can back it and get it going, we can get this done and actually see the end and enjoy it even more.
0: Awesome. So how far is it? Does it start right at the beginning of the ministry? Is that where it kicks off?
3: Just a little bit before, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cool.
0: So um, do, they have, do you know how many do they have like how many seasons planned out that it want to take to cover the three years? Naturally, seven. No, oh, that's true. If it's biblical, seven <laughs> is the number of completeness. So,
3: yep the the plan is to have Jesus's crucifixion at the end of season six, and then the resurrection and everything in season seven. Oh, okay, good, good, good deal.
1: This is one of the highest rated TV shows I've ever seen on IMDb.
3: Yeah,
1: really. I don't know if that matters to anyone. It's like, yeah, wow, very interesting.
3: I've I've been hearing a lot of about atheists watching the show. And really loving it just because it's that good of a show. Because it's more about story.
0: T- it's more about storytelling and telling a good story.
3: Yep. Interesting. And like people uh see it as it brings the 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 gospels to life. It's not about it's not about getting the facts out there, it's about helping you feel the emotions and everything that and everything that went on. You see these people as actual people that existed. Right. So right. and one last pick. The Logitech MX Master Mouse series. I got the 2S. I want the 3, but I'm not going to pay money to upgrade for, for just that slight upgrade. You got uh, that? Show showing the 3.
1: I love it. I love I it, too. I the MX, MX Master 2S. Yeah.
3: Yep, I got the 2S. But so I used to, like, want all these extra keys on my keyboard, but I realized I, I, I use my mouse a lot. And it's really hard to get exactly what you want on a keyboard. So but this mouse, like it's got this thumb button underneath at the bottom, and it's got a button just below the scroll wheel that you can set up gestures on. So you can either just tap it or you can press and then or press and hold it and move it in one of four directions. And so each of these buttons has five functions for me. So it just makes everything super fast for me.
1: I will second that. It is a wonderful mouse. Even the side scroller, just being able to scroll side to side on like Excel spreadsheets is wonderful.
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: I've been married to my standard Apple Magic mouse that I've gotten so used to that I can do most anything with. It, it, have you used the Magic mouse before? Before you switched to
3: this? Or? Uh, just because of my last job, uh, we actually we did work on Macs and uh, before, uh, so I ended up buying a second mouse so I could use one at work. But the magic mouse has the charging port on the bottom of the mouse. The yes, logic mo- mo- so you can't use it while you're charging it. Yes. Yeah. This one has it on the front of the mouse. So it essentially it's just a plugged-in mouse while you're charging it.
0: Yeah, that is one of the things that sort of I find interesting about the mouse is you can't use it where you're charging the keyboard. You can because it's on the, you know, I have the one of the wireless keyboards, Bluetooth keyboards, and And it's on the back, so you can plug it in and keep using it. But, yeah, that always struck me as odd as I put that charging port on the bottom of the mouse. I mean, something coming from Apple, you would expect them to have thought that through a little more, you know? Maybe they did think it through and decided that was the best place. Who knows? The biggest
1: thing I can think of is that it will look really attractive in photos if it doesn't have
3: this place where you can plug it in. Yeah. Maybe? That's the only thing I can think of. Or the fact that the the sensor on the top is more than just a a button. So they have too much too much of the guts near the front to be able to put a port in the front, but I think that's that's probably baloney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times it works someone's like, "Oh shoot, my mouse died. I can't work for a while now." I'm like, "Well, I'm not using my magic mouse here, you can use mine while well, yours charges."
0: Well, yeah, what I usually <laughs> have to do is is just sort of since I'm using since my primary computer's laptop, I just sort of have to resort to using the trackpad on the computer for the for the little while that it's charging
3: yeah that's not fun yeah.
0: though they do have free nice trackpads yes yeah the two and three and four finger stuff you can do is pretty nice so this takes a little bit of getting used to and a little stretching of the shoulder but it works all righty so let's wrap this puppy up so joe if people want to get a hold of you where's the best place
3: that they can do that you can use the contact form on my website at jozimjs.com or on twitter at JoseMjs. right on so luke where can people get a hold of you what's your twitter i should
0: know this and i don't know it so i'm embarrassed to say it but i'm gonna say it anyway
1: oh gosh i don't even remember i think it's like at luke diebold just yeah at luke diebold but yeah but the best way to get connected to my stuff is just quasarcast.com
0: oh yeah quasar you know something about quasar right yeah Anyway, we'll go back to just kidding there. We talked to Luke about (laughs) Quasar in an episode, a few episodes ago, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So with that, we will wrap this up. If you want to get a hold of me, wonder95 is my magic name everywhere, Twitter, GitHub, et cetera. So you can scream at me there and tell me how bad my jokes are, or you can tell me how awesome my jokes are either way. So I know Austin Gill, one of our former, podcast host likes to message me and say that was really awful but it made me laugh so i feel good i got both sides of the coin covered there so with that we will wrap up this episode of views on view joseph joe thank you for coming and talking about view stores and we will talk to everybody next
2: week bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y.com to learn more